You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I wouldn't say it's clear yet. Uh, Adrian's certainly playing well. Luke's certainly playing well. Uh, we feel like we got two guys um, at the top of that heap that are, are playing well enough to help us win games. Every uh, position is a competition. We're going to have to make those decisions pretty pretty quickly, but been really impressed with both guys. This whole camp, we've known that we've got a, we've got a big target with Ohio State coming up. Coach Frost knows that. And we've been we've been grinding. He's uh, He's got us in the best shape I think we've ever been in. We've been running more than we've ever ran. We've been conditioning just up-tempo more than we ever have been, and that's what Coach Frost wants to see, and that makes me feel better about what we got going into the into the game. It's been a little longer than normal, but um, I think guys are still excited to, to come to practice every day. Um, and it's just uh, a hat tip to our, our leadership we have at this university, our coaches, um, making it exciting for guys to come to practice every day. And I think we're still competing with each other. I think guys still want to, and uh, we'll be ready for the first game. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Later we'll be joined here by Nate Klaus. Uh, but we're going to get into fall camp here as Robin and I have been <laughs> In, as immersed as we possibly can in covering Zoom fall camp, um, it's a lot different than our normal um, day-to-day coverage that we've been used to. But here we are, Robin, almost a week away from kickoff. And it's been tough because everybody, you know, when we do our chat and, you know, people in the interview situations, they want answers. Everyone wants to know specific details, position groupings. And it's really hard right now. Um, but the the one interesting thing that Scott Frost shared um, on the Zoom on on Tuesday was the quarterback race, and 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 just you know that is a, a legitimate battle right now between Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey, and um, not only Frost said you know has praised McCaffrey. You've heard a lot of other people behind the scenes praise it, but I think we've been just so conditioned over the last few years of it's so hard to unseat the incumbent. Um, so. What was your read just on this? Is it legitimate or is it is it just coach speak? I don't want to kind of have something blow up with this position here as we go into the opener. Well, if there was not uh, any competition going on, I don't know why you would unnecessarily uh, create this conversation a week before your first game uh, to put you know even more criticism on your projected starting quarterback unless you have some really uh, covert smokescreen that you're trying to throw at Ohio State to make them prepare for two quarterbacks for a week and a half. I don't think that's the case. I think that this is actually a legitimate situation, and I think it has more to do with the rapid development and progression of Luke McCaffrey than it does with what Adrian has done. I think Adrian has done everything they've expected of him this offseason. He's gotten healthy. He's worked with his guys. You know, he's, he's been a consummate teammate, and he's done everything right. But Luke McCaffrey is just forcing the issue right now. I think they wanted to ease him into this uh, and, you know, have a natural transition when Adrian moves on and you have Luke ready to go. Well, Luke is not uh, – he's kind of expediting that timeline a little bit to where here we are a week before your first game at Ohio State, and you're saying that there's been no decision made on who your starting quarterback is going to be. I'll be curious too, Robin, when the press conference happens this week um, on Monday because we'll be back on a normal press conference schedule via Zoom um, where, you know, who, who do they trot up there? Will they trot a quarterback up there at all? Will they let Martinez go? Will they let both go? That was how they did it a week ago um, when we were on the Zoom together. Both quarterbacks um, got an opportunity to speak. And you get the sense, you know, Adrian, he operates better when there is pressure on him. A year ago, I don't think he ever thought Noah Vedrill could take his job. I don't think he ever thought Luke McCaffrey was quite ready 
um, at that point. But I, I think things are a little bit different right now, um, especially with the nature of the schedule. There are no warm-up games right. here. I mean, you're you're essentially getting dropped right into the middle of the battlefield week one, and the odds are against you for the next four games. So this is really, I think, the, you just sense, not panic, but like, you know, we better get this right because we're not going to have much of an opportunity to make adjustments here with the schedule that we face. Well, and one other interesting thing Frost said was that while he still prefers to have, you know, the guy at quarterback that you're going to roll with, uh, for the majority of every game, he also said he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. And if that means playing two quarterbacks, if not, you know, a full split duty situation, then so be it. And now they're in a situation where you actually have two viable contenders for your starting quarterback job. And if it's a situation where you want to mix in McCaffrey for a few plays to start, I could see that being a very real scenario. And then uh, let the actual in-game performance determine who that guy is for the rest of the year. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, as we talk about what we've learned in, in fall camp, which it's been a very different fall camp. And I'll be curious, Robin, if we even get a depth chart, um, because I, I feel like there's some strategy with that as well. Uh, you know, everybody wants to know, and we'll talk more about Omar Manning in our next segment, but, you know, the receiver groupings and, and who's where, where, what's going on with this guy and, you know, I know in the chat this week we were asked about the depth chart. And, you know, someone's like, well, why aren't Fleming and Betts on there? And maybe they are, but yeah. the coaches have done such a very good job of not showing their hand on a newcomer. Here's what we know about Nebraska's offense. We know what the starting offensive line is going to be because Greg Austin laid it out right out of the get-go of the fall practice Zoom meetings. Uh, we know Dedrick Mills is your starting running back. We know Wandale Robinson is going to be a starting wide receiver. Probably Cade Warner. Probably. After that, Jack Stoltz probably is starting tight end. Right, yeah, you could probably pencil him in too. So, yeah, that's a handful of guys on an offense, including your quarterback, the majority of your receiver group, and uh, your backup running back situation. So some very uh, key positions still need to be figured out, and I'm with you. If they do release a depth chart, which it's kind of a or, coin toss. Or, or, or. Ors across the board where you're going to have three guys listed at uh, the number one at a position or number two. So uh, you take that for what it's worth, and it's probably going to be a deal where we don't know what those rotations and what those groupings actually look like until uh, the things kick off in Columbus. I know one guy that intrigues me is Levi Falk. I think he's going to have a role. What will that role be? And then Scott uh, mentioned a couple walk-ons this week too, Wyatt Lever and Bennett Falkers. And to me, when when I see that, I'm like, all right, the perimeter blocking a year ago was absolute trash. It's been trash for like two years now. And J.D. Spielman and Kedavai Noah, I mean, they didn't want to block anything last year. Nope. And when I see talk like that, you know, I, I can envision those guys being in there. Chris Hickman too. I mean, the the they just want absolute physical beast receivers to set the edge on on those quick pass plays to Wandell Robinson or whoever that player is going to be out in the flats. Well, and in the run game, too. I mean, how much of their run game is predicated on perimeter blocking? And it wasn't until the end of last year when the guys that were willing to block started to play all of a sudden, Diedrich Mills takes off and has a great back end of the season. And now you're in conference play where uh, you've learned your lesson over the last two years. If you cannot run the football and have a physical running game, you will not win in the Big Ten. 
And so that is a priority. You see that with the move of Greg Austin to run game coordinator with this whole emphasis on establishing bread and butter concepts where this is what we're going to hang our hat on in the run game. We're not going to try to do all this window dressing and cutesy little uh, perimeter plays. We're going to run at you. And for us to have that next level explosive element to our run game, you have to block on the perimeter and you have to block downfield. And the guys that a receiver that are willing to do that and are capable of doing that are probably going to be the ones that play more often than not. Will we see a depth chart on Monday or Tuesday, Robin? I think they'll have something. But again, I predict it's going to be something where it, it tells you absolutely nothing outside of what we already know. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they didn't. I mean, just saying like, you know what? The competition's going to run through the whole week still um, because we've had a shortened camp. Um, and then, you know, there's some injury questions. I know Nebraska has been very physical in what they've done in practices, probably pushing the envelope there. Yeah. Um, so are there any guys knocked out? And by putting a depth chart out, you might tip your hand on, on some of that information. So lots to, to get through here in the, in the coming days as we head into game week. And it doesn't feel like it to anybody right now um, as we sit back here. But uh, we have finally made it at least to game week. And we're looking forward to it. When we come back, though, we're going to talk more about Omar Manning and what Scott Frost shared on the Zoom on that situation. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think that's still a work in progress right now. Uh, when Omar's been out there, he's looked really good. He's been dealing with some health things that kind of kept him in and out. We need him out there more consistently if he's going to uh, help us the way that we expect him to and hope that he will. Kind of the same. Uh, Wandale's been there for the most part, been nicked up a little bit. Elante Brown's been out there, nicked up a little bit. Cade Warner's been pretty consistent. It's been good to see. Uh, I've had some other guys that uh, look like they're stepping up. I'm pleased overall with the depth and the play at that position. Uh, but that uh, needs to work itself out pretty quickly. Who's healthy and who's available, and, and we need to get dialed in for the first game. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Make sure you get on into the Lincoln location. Fully remodeled, new TVs, new furniture, new flooring, new bar, new everything. It is the premier game-watching bar now in Lincoln. Uh, get into Tanner's, get some great wings, beer, and catch all the college football and NFL action here over the weekend. But, Robin, you heard Scott Frost address Omar Manning um, on the Zoom on Tuesday, and it's kind of been the elephant in the room. I mean, w once um, Frost, a week ago on his radio show, said Omar had been taking some time away, what appeared to be for a personal um, issue, maybe not a physical injury-type issue, um, alarm bells went off because this was kind of, you know, I think we wrote in our ranking the Big Ten that you and I do every year that Omar Manning was the biggest impact newcomer in the conference. And now that guy could, maybe might play, maybe he won't play, and it's it's led to a lot of questions. Well, yeah, I mean, and a lot of questions because this is a guy before he even set foot on campus. Uh, the head coach, Scott Frost, was saying he was the type of player that changes the entire dynamic of Nebraska's offense when he's on the field. And that's because at 6'4", 225, and with that skill set, with that athleticism, that's a weapon uh, the Huskers haven't had in their passing game since probably Maurice Purify. Uh, I mean, just with that combination. And so uh, it's a big deal uh, because he provided that element that was going to take, in theory, Nebraska's passing game to the next level. And without him, 
now you're looking at, you know, a bunch of those small speed wide receivers with, you know, complemented by walk-ons at this point. And so that's a, that's a big reason for concern. And, uh, you know, the Frost said that he hopes Manning will be available to play at Ohio State. But right now that doesn't give you much confidence because he's not on the field. He's not practicing, whether it be for injury or for personal reasons, whatever it is. He's been back now, though. But the, I mean, the fact that he's missed so much time just kind of puts his immediate status in doubt now hopefully they can get that settled in he become a little bit more consistent and available and therefore become the type of player they need him to be i mean i think you have to figure out a way if he's a physical difference maker in this conference you have to just say all right we're going to draw up 10 plays and 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 bring him along on these 10 plays. I mean, just something that you can simplify and matt lubick's a good coach he's going to do that if everything's right if there's the trust factor and i, I think that's the key is there enough will will that trust factor be there from the missed time Omar Manning has had and you know that's another card they're going to hold close to their vest um I think today my read is he will be in Columbus um it's a matter of will he play much in Columbus right um but yeah that receiver position there's such an unknown about Fleming uh about Betts um, as far as if those two talented four-star freshmen will play, we know Fleming took some time away from the program um, for a while too, went back to Miami for a couple of weeks, came back. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that was supposed to be kind of the, the position. Uh, will Nixon tore his knee up in the summer uh, that Nebraska upgraded you know, so heavily. And right now of the group of five they signed, really Alante Brown is the only sure thing. And he is battling some injuries too. Right. Yeah, so is Wandale. I mean, all these guys, and they're minor, but it's forced them to miss some practice time. And with them trying to do so much to get ready to play top-level football against one of the best teams in all of college football, any mispractice time is significant, especially with a core uh, of receivers that needs all the reps they can get. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of a red flag right now, and hopefully that thing kind of gets addressed. But there's a reason all those walk-ons and, and the Cade Warners are getting mentioned so much right now because they're the one guys or that's the group that's actually on the field and the coaches are able to evaluate and they're getting the reps with those quarterbacks. And uh, until those other guys, those freshmen or Omar Manning uh, are able to consistently be on the practice field, it's hard to know what their immediate impact is going to be. And Cade Warner awarded a scholarship officially. I think he was on a second semester one last year. He didn't get one in the fall, um, but probably almost deserved one even a year ago. Um, he's played about as much as any walk-on um, you know, you're going to ever see play um, the way the last three years have played out. So congrats to Cade Warner um, getting a walk-on scholarship along with uh, Luke Reimer. We should know more names this week. Yeah, or ne- next week yeah. um, on you know who those other players are. There'll probably be at least two to three more names that they can give out for the, the semester, uh, just depending on, on those numbers. Um, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. I think the other thing, Robin, I'm looking at now closely is Nebraska's defense. Um, I, I know in the scrimmages, the offense has had the upper hand. Uh, I heard it got the defense kind of lost composure amongst itself um, yeah. in the scrimmage on Saturday yep. last week. Um, there might have been some punches thrown amongst defensive guys um, on the same side of the field. So y- you worry about that a little bit. The communication needs to be there. Was it Dismuke or Cam Taylor Britt that said that the on-field communication is what he's noticed? Cam. 
really a struggle. And uh, that will be something to watch uh, you know, early on, how Nebraska's defense communicates and tackles and plays on the field early on. Well, and not just for Nebraska, that was Cam was talking about. He was talking about in college football. He said he's watched a lot of games early on uh, you know, while Nebraska's been off. And one thing he noticed with all these points and all these yards being put up uh, across the country – uh, it seems like defenses are kind of scrambling to figure it out on the fly. And one thing that he's noticed is guys just aren't talking and communicating. And so since Nebraska's returned to practice, he's trying to, you know, apply that to uh, Nebraska's defense to where, you know, they're talking more and communicating better. But clearly, you know, with stuff that came out of that Saturday scrimmage, uh, there's a lot of work to be done there. And, you know, when you got that type of bickering already, you're not even playing a real opponent makes you wonder how things are going to get once Ohio State gets rolling. Speaking of communicating, did you see um, Lane Kiff or Nick Saban kind of accuse Lane Kiffin of um, stealing their defensive signals last week? Because uh, Saban said every time we made a call, like an adjustment or at the line of scrimmage as a defense, <laughs> Kiffin audible into the exact perfect play. <laughs> You know, where the tight end just streaked 40, 50 yards down the field. So, you know, Saban's a paranoid guy, but I also wouldn't put it past Lane Kiffin to pull out all the stops and get a little sneaky doing stuff. Well, and for as good as Saban is, trust me, when you're that good, you got a lot of people that want to see you take a step back. So, I'm sure there's some back channel communication. Um, So, you, you better have your signals and all that stuff in line early, especially in these silent stadiums. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's been the question, too. Like, do, how does that impact, and is it going to uh, actually hurt, you know, the doesn't matter to Homer away, but uh, whoever's on offense because, you know, I mean, all those cadences, you know, do they work as well when there's no crowd noise? Uh, so there's, there's questions that are going to be played with that. But defense across the board, I think it shows that it's very much a work in progress, and I think a big part of that is, is that guys just weren't able to hit for so long. You know, look at Nebraska. They didn't tackle for almost 11 months, 10 months. And they've been ramping it up. Exactly, So because they have to. Frost knows if you want to go beat Ohio State, you better be ready to play real football. And the only way to play real football is to tackle and Bend practice. your knees, wrap up, exactly. take to the ground. And so that's why guys are getting dinged up. That's why you're getting all these injuries that are going on in camp because uh, they're trying to pack as much as they possibly can. Uh, they're walking this very fine line of getting a team ready to play against one of the best teams in the country on the road uh, while also trying to keep a roster relatively healthy. And right now they're kind of going back and forth on that. And then you get Wisconsin, who gets an extra day preparation for Nebraska. I think Wisconsin opens up on Friday, right? Am I I'm not mistaken? And, and they're the Friday game. So not only will Wisconsin be coming here the next week, they'll get one extra day of additional rest when you're coming off the road. So, hey. Thanks, Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the schedule, by the way, Nebraska, Iowa, Black Friday. I mean, that's kind of old news. No, no surprise there. There are four Friday night games, though, besides the Black Friday day game. Uh, no Friday game, though, the week of election week. Uh, because teams, it's my understanding, they won't even be able to practice on election day yeah. um, on that Tuesday. Um, so the Big Ten did not have a Friday night game. Uh, scheduled for election week. So still four. Originally, it was only going to be two Friday night games. Um, so they're doing all they can. I'll be curious how deep the night games go into November. That will be something um, to, to watch if the Big Ten will allow week, you know, the third, the second and third Saturdays in November to have a night game. Uh, we know the first Saturday in November can, can have a night game. That second and that third one, though, that's typically been a forbidden deal in the Big Ten. Both mm-hmm. teams will have to agree. Um, so we'll kind of see 
how that all goes. But when we come back, uh, we are going to talk some basketball. Robin had a chance to be on with Fred Hoiberg. He's had a busy week on the Zoomer, um, and, and we'll get some more insight on what Coach Hoiberg had to say as he's getting his team ready. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, you know, knock on wood, but we've been, our guys have done a great job as far as staying safe and making the right choices and the right decisions. Uh, we have had one positive case, and that's it. And uh, everybody else has, has stayed away from it. So, uh, you know, we feel good about that for the fact that we have not had to quarantine a large portion of our team. We've been able to stay on task and been able to get in the gym and work. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Busy week for Robin as uh, Fred Hoiberg as well addressed the media. Robin, was that his first true kind of press conference he's done in, I mean, in several months? Yeah. Yeah. Basically since, uh, since, since everybody thought he was going to die on the sidelines coaching in yeah, he the did, Big Ten tournament. He, he did a follow up <laughs> after that. I can't remember when it was. Think about it's, that. It's time. been, it's been a long time. Yeah. I remember when he like, people were blaming him for bringing down basketball because, or sports, because that, that was right that day. Uh, when Nebraska played Indiana in the first round of the Big Ten championship or tournament uh, was when the Rudy Gobert stuff uh, with the Utah Jazz started coming down and the NBA shut down. So, like, the NBA collapsed, and then Fred's on the sideline with uh, what turned out to just be the flu. flu, and he looks terrible. It has to leave the game. Is like, escorted. The team has to quarantine in the locker room, and they're not allowed to leave for, like, two hours afterwards. Uh, they quarantine the media and the press room. Like, it was a disaster, and – all for not, thankfully, but uh, yeah, that was one of the wildest. The Twitter blue check mob ever. was all over Hoiberg that oh, night too. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, just like basically trashing him for being how rec- could you reckless and thoughtless and all that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was probably good to see Coach Hoiberg and, and uh, get a chance to to talk to him for the first time uh, in, in several months. Yes, yes, it was lots to catch up on. Um, obviously, brand new team once again outside of. Uh, three players who played last year and three returners who sat out. Uh, so the kind of the overall theme, there seems to be a lot more confidence. And it's because compared to last year, they actually, one, have guys that have played under Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska before. They also have guys that have practiced for a full year under Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska. And they have a roster full of juniors and seniors that uh, those that haven't played here before played at high major schools and played very well and played on NCAA tournament teams. And so that collection, I think, gives you a much more stable feeling about this roster compared to last year. Even though there is so much turnover and new faces, the collection, I think, is uh, has a lot better opportunity to withstand all the rigors that come over the course of a season than last year. Last year had zero leadership and things blew up right out of the gate. Now they got a lot of veterans, some vocal leaders, and will it remains to be seen how they're going to handle all that adversity, but I like their chances significantly more than a year ago. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and they started practice already. Is that right, Robin? Yeah, on Wednesday, first practice. They get 42 days uh, starting from, from Wednesday before November 25th, uh, which is the start of the college basketball season. Now Nebraska still doesn't know when their first game is going to be played or if they'll even be allowed to play non-conference games, but they're operating as if November 25th will be the first. And are we looking at 20 conference games right now? As of now, Big Ten hasn't said. So uh, assuming that they will stick with 20, which I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, I think the question is what's going to happen with a non-conference slate. Uh, with 
20 league games, they would be allotted seven uh, non-conference games, up to seven, so 27 games total. Uh, everyone, you know, Nebraska included, is trying to organize these multi-team events, MTEs. Uh, you know, Nebraska's trying to do one. Illinois is trying to do one. Um, I think Iowa's trying to do one. And so... The, is there a TV partner for Nebraska out not here? Yet, not yet. Well, it hasn't been officially announced Like, yet, can but. beat, since it's at a Big Ten campus, I'm wondering if Big Ten Network... Or would Big Ten Network only get to air games with Big Ten teams? I'm I mean, not sure. I mean, they're not going to air just like some random LSU. Right, yeah, like San Francisco versus LSU <laughs> or something. Yeah, so no. But uh, anyway, there. Uh, that's going to be three to four games right there. And as of now, the Big Ten ACC Challenge is still uh, on the books. And so there's another game. So we'll see. I, I'm operating on the assumption that they will have a non-conference schedule. It's just a matter of will they allow their teams to play the full allotted 27 games. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. And, Robin, there's been a lot of recruiting chatter um, about McGowan's and uh, wh- where that's going with Nebraska. His brother now a five-star. Um, I mean, and you think Nebraska's got a little bit legitimate chance here, don't you? Yeah, so Trey McGowan's the transfer from Pittsburgh, uh, obviously committed this past offseason. Uh, he's got a little brother by the name of Bryce McGowans, who is a five-star recruit, rated number 23 overall player in the country, had been a verbal commit to Florida State for a long time, basically since February. Recently, last week, decides to reopen his recruitment just to make sure that, you know, since he did commit so long ago and his profile skyrocketed since then, that he's making the right choice. And of course, as you would expect, Nebraska was one of the first schools to reach out, and it's goes beyond just the fact that Trey is playing for Nebraska. Uh, the connection between Bryce McGowan's and Matt Abdelmasi goes back since Bryce was in eighth grade. Uh, I mean, they've recruited him for a long time. When Fred and Matt first got here, uh, they offered Bryce McGowan's in April of 2019. He was one of their very first 2021 recruits that they offered. So uh, the connection has been there for a long time and it's only continued to develop, especially when Trey uh, went on the transfer market and Nebraska was able to get him. There's a trust factor laid down there with the McGowan's family. Then that is such a huge element, especially in an era of recruiting where you can't take visits and everything, all the communication is done virtually. When you have that element to it, suddenly that gives you a weapon that Every other school in the country cannot replicate. And Bryce and Trey are extremely close. And oh, by the way, Elijah Wood, Nebraska's freshman uh, that just joined the 2020 class, grew up playing with Bryce, and they're good friends. Uh, So there's a lot of dots that connect Nebraska and Bryce McGowan's to where, uh, yeah, they're going up against Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Arizona, Oregon. Go down the list. But none of those guys have the connections, the personal connections, that Nebraska has. So I, I do think they have a very legitimate chance to get him. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of where things shake out over the next few weeks because he does want to sign in the fall, and the November signing period goes from November 11th to November 18th. So uh, we'll we'll know a lot more here in the next couple of weeks. What's your read, Robin, on the now the eligibility rule for basketball that everybody will get a free year? What does that do to kind of, I mean, to the Fred Hoiberg, Abdelmasi recruiting formula? Well, it's hard to say because the idea of, you know, a fifth year player. It could be pretty dicey, though. For Yeah. I mean, I would be surprised if there that happens a lot. You know, I think if anything, guys will transfer and spend a year playing somewhere else. Uh, or go pro if they're good enough to yeah, go. Or yeah. overseas pro even. Not, I'm not talking NBA pro. I mean, if you're exactly. good enough to play overseas and make 
like Sig- Thor, I mean, he's going to have his degree. Like, I would just think of seniors that would be eligible. He's going to have his degree. Kobe Webster already has his degree. I mean, this is like, they're going to play one more year. Like they're not going to, Thor's going to go make a bunch of money, six figures playing professionally in Iceland. He has a contract waiting for him. Kobe Webster is good enough to play somewhere overseas. So, I mean, like they're, those guys, the idea that they're going to come back, I just don't, for Nebraska specifically, I don't know if that's going to be much of an issue. Fred was asked about it on Tuesday. He said, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when uh, it becomes official. So it doesn't seem like they're really going to attack that very much. All right. When we come back, uh, Nate Klaus will join us here in the show and we'll take your questions in the mailbag. That's all next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Boy, it's, it's been tough, you know, not knowing if we were going to play or not, you know, for the longest, uh, just patiently waiting on everybody, you know, to make the decision on, you know, if we were going to really have a season or not, and everybody was anxious to play. I said um, anybody here was ready to play right right in September if we could or August, and uh, we didn't get that chance, but now that we have that chance, I believe everybody's ready to let loose and, you know, just go out there and ball. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I would watch it. Joined now by Nate Klaus, as you heard Cam Taylor Britt um, to say this team's ready to play ball. I mean, it's been, what, 11, 12 weeks of practice now, uh, camp, mo- simulated camps, whatever you want to call it. And really, you can go even deeper than that to the mini camps they did back in July. So it's been a long time coming uh, to get to this point. But it's time for the mailbag. And, you know, first question out of the gate is how can the Big Ten legally tell us you can't have fans in the stands? What would they do if Nebraska decided to say, screw it, we're going to bring fans in? Um, well, my immediate thought is they won't let the game happen because they'll call it a public safety risk mm-hmm. or they'll penalize you on your media rights payout or worse. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's <laughs> probably a lot of ways they would find a way to get you. And money is probably first and foremost or, you know, preventing, you know, the, like you said, the, the game from ever happening because, you know, the Big Ten basically operates the game you know, with officials and all that stuff. So uh, I, I just – you know, I don't think it's going to happen because it's the Big Ten's call. You know, whether regardless of what university or local officials might say from school to school or city to city, uh, it's really the Big Ten umbrella that everybody has to operate under. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I feel like this is probably something that was one of the first things that was laid down, one of the first ground rules. In order for everyone to come back, they you know had to do, all agree that they weren't going to ha- allow fans into the. Into the this stands. was like a, a deal point that had to yeah. be met. I, that's that's my feeling on it, and so this is probably not even. This is like probably the one of the only. Uh, well, actually, there's probably quite a few non-negotiable <laughs> deals surrounding this <laughs> whole thing. But, but the fans, but, the cheerleaders in the band, though that that bothers me. I, I think yeah. you can have a a band spread out. I think you can have cheerleaders in the bleachers, even. I mean, because they're comp. I mean, you just feel for those those students as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to reduce as much liability as possible. And uh, you know, I think that they're part of it too is the competitive advantage where A and M. Yeah, I mean, if Nebraska could be full capacity, I'm sure they'd. Be be darn near close Ohio State the same way but would Michigan Michigan State be able to do that would Northwestern be able to do that Rutgers you know so like Maryland there could be schools that could have zero fans whereas other schools are having full stadiums and therefore that creates a disadvantage disparity uh with just the whole home field edge I think there'd be about four teams that would push it Nebraska Iowa Ohio State and probably Penn State those four and then I think the politics in the other states would make it very difficult. Did you guys watch A and M Florida? Like, did you see the crowd? Yeah, it was like yeah. forty 
45,000 some people there. It was nuts. I talked to my old roommate who's a coach down at A&M now, and he he, he estimated it was about 45,000. And I think they announced it at like 2022. 20, and Dan, <laughs> Dan Mullen, um, after the game, <laughs> said that we need to pack the swamp. Our governor's allowed it. Then Co- Florida gets 19 positive tests. Well, and then there's going reports, the there's reports that the theory is that that all came from College Station and that whole experience there where – I'm guarantee you there were very few COVID protocols being followed there. How could you? I mean, I mean, you got that many people. Now I could, I could see, you know, spreading out twenty thousand or twenty five thousand amongst, uh, you know, a big stadium like that. But when you when you've got forty five thousand plus like that, it was, yeah, I, there was there are very few social distancing rules <laughs> being being used there. And it was loud. I mean, it, it played a factor in in. That would be Nebraska. If Nebraska allowed fans no doubt. and Wisconsin and Penn State came in here, that 30,000 that Pat Lopez was going to allow as the largest crowd, I think uh, creatively yeah. it would find itself to 35,000. 30 and change. <laughs> but yeah, like the official attendance would be 30,000. Yes, no doubt. On the 29, 998. Just like it does at PBA where they can't go over 16,000 because of fire code, even though there's more than 16,000. Well, that, it has to do with state aid. Yeah. Um, because if they break 16,000, um, then there's some sort of extra. They lose some sort of aid from the state. So it's always like 15,999. <laughs> no Sit Sunday was like 15,998. Yeah. And what's funny is I didn't pay for a lap ticket for my daughter when we went to that game. So like technically, technically she brought it over. They were in violation. Well, statute. To limitations. All right. Next question here in the mailbag. Nate, where are all the defensive line commits and how many does Nebraska take? Oh, well, yeah. There are no defensive line commits right now. And it seems like they're all taking their time uh, with, the, with the process. You know, there's a lot of guys I think that are interested in, in you know, uh, you know kind of have Nebraska high on their list. But um, as far as the guys that are getting close to committing, I think the the one that was the closest was Ruquan Buckley out of Michigan, and uh, you know, he was supposed to make his announcement this week, and, and you know within 12 hours of you know, the, being a shoe in, yeah. Well, I don't know if he was a shoe in, but I, I think most people thought that he was going to be. Uh, he he went ahead and and pushed his decision back, and there's no no timeline now. And so, I mean, that was kind of a, a strange situation. And, you know, you've got some other guys out there that I think, um, you know, are very high on Nebraska but have no decision timeline um, or no, you know, no specific timeline set. So I think it's going to be a deal where people have to wait. And, you know, I think Tony Tuioti is one of those coaches that does a lot of his recruiting under the radar. Um, you know, you may or may not know who he's on and, and, you know, how those guys are necessarily feeling about Nebraska. But I have no doubt that the defensive line commits are going to happen. And I think that at the end of the day, we'll probably see two to three and, and most likely two DNs and, and maybe a nose tackle. Two-parter for all of us here, um, just kind of a best guess. Does Omar Manning, A, play at Ohio State? B, does he start a game at all this year? I'll say no, he won't play at Ohio State, but he'll be suited up. And I do think he'll start a game by at least some point this season. It seems unlikely he'll have a role against Ohio State just because it's been such limited practice time for him. I do think he's going to start. They have to find a way to get him on the field. And if it is just a deal where – uh, you know, he's just had some stuff that he needed to deal with and had to get healthy. 
I mean, you, you can find a way to incorporate him down the road. I mean, he's too good of a player. Nate, let me ask you this about Omar Manning. Did did you ever get a chance to talk to him much during the recruiting process? Like, does anybody really know? Nobody knows Omar Manning. No one, I don't know anybody that has been able to develop any type of relationship with him. Going back to when he was in high school, really. I mean, he's he's always been uh, somebody who's kept to himself, who's not really let too many people in and, and let them know what he's thinking or, you know, uh, let them know exactly, you know, what makes him tick or, you know, or anything like that. So, I mean, he's somewhat of an enigma to, to everybody, especially to media members and people that have, have tried to cover his recruitment. You're listening here to the Husker online show. What are the odds? Luke McCaffrey starts a game this year at quarterback. I'd say pretty high, mainly because the physicality of the schedule, even if Martinez is the guy, I think the physicality of the schedule, it's going to make something happen to a quarterback. When was the last time Adrian Martinez started nine games? Especially when you run the ball, Robin, in a, in a league that's like an NFL-style league. I mean, the Big Ten has NFL front sevens in terms of body size and physicality. It's not the Big 12 where, you know, there's not as – I mean, let's face it, the Big 12 doesn't tackle as physical as the Big Ten week to week. And I, I think if you run your quarterback, you're, you're, the odds of being out are, are high. Well, there's just the, you know, the physical – nature of making it through nine games in nine weeks for Adrian Martinez, who has a legitimate injury record right now. Uh, but then there's also the fact that what if Nebraska starts 0-4 and, you know, the offense can't get anything going? <laughs> if it's this close already and we're a week and a half away from the start of the season, uh, you better be ready to pull the trigger. If Luke McCaffrey is what everybody is saying he is, uh, he, he's got to be ready to go. And if things start off rough, uh, I wonder how long that leash is going to be for Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I don't even know if you can afford to to wait until you're zero and four before possibly making a change or two weeks or probably. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you if you have a slow start to the season and you're all of a sudden you're zero and two, it might, it might be time just to to at least throw a change up and and see if if you can jumpstart things here with with uh, some some fresh blood there. And so I, and if things are as close as we think they are, there's no doubt in my mind, I think Luke will probably start at least one game. If not for, you know, the only reason being that it's been, you know, I mean, Adrian's never gone through an entire season completely healthy. And chances are that, uh, you know, this is, there's going to be at least one game where he's nicked up enough to where he may not give Nebraska the best chance. All right. Final question. Your favorite freshman right now at Nebraska, not name Alante Brown. I'll say Nash. I, I, I think long-term Nash is going to be a fixture. Um, the extra year is going to be big for him um, because they don't have to necessarily rush him along uh, to develop. But when you see him listed, uh, I want, was, was he at, three, at least 320 uh, on the Huskers.com roster, if I'm not mistaken, uh, how much weight and, and strength he has already? Uh, that's, that's a guy for me right now. Yeah, I uh, would like you know one of those other freshman wide receivers, you know whether it be Fleming or Betts or, or whoever to step up just because they need him. Uh, but you know, I want to see what Marvin Scott can be just with how physically advanced he is already as a freshman. Will that parlay into becoming a you know legitimate high level Big Ten running back, or is he going to be another one of those guys that? weight room hero uh, doesn't translate onto the field, but I think he's good enough to where he's got a really bright future. Well, I, I'm, 
going to stick with the running backs there, but I'm going with Savion Morrison. I, I think he's somebody that I've, I've been really high on for, you know, since Nebraska started recruiting him. And, and once I was able to see him play in person last fall, uh, it kind of took it to another level. And, and you know, it looks like he's really developed physically and added a lot of good weight, uh, which is one of the bigger questions I had about him as far as playing and being able to make the transition to the Big Ten as a true freshman. So I'm really interested in that. And by the way, Nash is listed at six five three thirty. Oh, and so yeah, and he wrestled at two eighty five. Yep. How? Um, yeah, but I mean, he he had to cut. I mean, much like Ben Hart, you know, Ben Hart when he was a senior in high school, right after football, he had to cut like sixteen pounds uh, to to get under uh, under that two eighty five. So. Yeah, Nash is. I mean, Nash is a grown man. He's, he's eating <laughs> <As> a, now, <laughs> yeah, and, and and he's able to finally let her loose. All Turner right. Corcoran's another guy. Corcoran too. Yeah, I mean, you almost forget he's a freshman. I know. Honestly, yeah. There's there's a lot of guys in that recruiting class that I think are going to be going to end up being fixtures on this team for years to come. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting. The Huskers picked up commitment number nineteen from James Carney. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that and much more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. <laughs> This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think uh, we're going to come to a point where we have to have clarity on that completely, and I'll let you know when we do. But uh, going into game week, I think that's that's going to be the time where we're going to have to have all the answers and have everything buttoned up. And um, I'll, I'll let you know when, when we have uh, some definite clarity on some of those things. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, final segment. That was Scott Frost. And it's kind of, Nate, the elephant in the room on managing the roster size for Nebraska because the Big Ten only allows 170 tests weekly now going forward, and that includes staff, and that's people that are day-to-day around your players in like a priority A group. So there's going to be, you know, 20 to 30 to maybe even 35 type of walk-on kids that may not be able to be a part of things going forward. And um, you know, it just makes you wonder long term on the roster size um, what this could do to things going forward for Nebraska. Well, yeah, it, it kind of becomes a logistical nightmare, uh, or at least another uh, just one more thing that you've got to worry about and manage. Because um, what know, if the Corona testing's next year too? Exactly. Yeah, uh, nobody knows how long they're going to have to do this for, and and you know, and I guess my my question is why. Why did they put a, a cap on it in the first place? Which uh, only hurts one team, by yeah, the way. Exactly. It only hurts Nebraska. Um, everybody knows that Nebraska's got the biggest roster in, in the conference, and and arguably as many support staff. Football. You know, yeah, and yeah, one of the biggest in, in all of Power Five football. So, I mean, I don't even know why there's there's a limit, but if you know, if they if that if that's pretty, um, you know, if that limit is set in stone, Nebraska is going to have to have to do something. They're going to have to figure something out. All right. And what have you seen, Nate, just on walk ons for Nebraska for next year? You, do you think they're going to kind of hard cap it at about 10 to 15 um, as far as how many walk on additions they can take, knowing that everybody is going to keep a year of eligibility? Yeah, I would think so. I, I, I would, I would think that we're going to see, you know, one of the smaller walk-on classes that we've seen in in quite a while, especially under under Frost. I, you know, they've they've been in the twenties or or more, um, you know, since Frost arrived. And right now, you know, the the amount of kids in state that have walk-on offers, and even a couple out of state um, that that have gotten walk-on offers, is is uh, far fewer than what it typically is at this point in in the season and. 
there's been a couple guys that have already accepted those, and and I think that you know this year we're going to probably see ten or less. Um, you know, depending on who they are, I'm sure there's always guys that you would take no matter what. But uh, given the amount of of uh, space that I think they're going to have to try and conserve here going forward, I think this year will be one of the smaller ones. Yeah, you you wonder that auxiliary locker room and eight, and what does that hold like thirty? 35 yeah I mean tops probably 35 tops and so I mean there's not a much there's not much space there and some GAs and other guys use that locker room Mm -hmm. now too so you know I've heard rumblings that they even sometimes some people might go over to South Stadium and have to use the South locker room for the where the uh, the visitors might use just because of space and if nobody's losing eligibility it's gonna get pretty crowded next year yeah I mean there's there's so many headaches that are on the horizon here I mean how they're gonna deal with um, everybody not losing a year and, and bringing in more, you know, bringing in another signing class, bringing in another walk-on class and um, not having your new facility uh, for yet another year. I mean, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of headaches here that, that the, the administrators and support staff at Nebraska are going to you know, have to deal with. All right, Nate, in Nebraska this week picked up commitment number 19 from Norris tight end James Carney. Uh, they didn't necessarily need another tight end. Uh, but this is just one of those battleground type deals where you're not going to let a key rival take a player from your own backyard for many different reasons. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, I think it came down to the fact that James Carney is a 6'5", 225-pound athletic, um, you know, kind of game-changing type of guy. And even though you didn't necessarily have to have another tight end in this recruiting class, you you can't necessarily afford to just you know let let somebody else come into your backyard and, and take a guy like that. You can't have too, too many players like that on your roster, and so they had to they had to just make space. and And I think that it was a good pickup, and I think that it will prove to be a good addition to this recruiting class uh, in, in the coming years. Um, I mean, I think you know James Carney. From from what I've seen in person, um, you know he's somebody that stacks up very very well to Thomas Fedoni, and as we all know, Thomas Fedoni is one of the number one or one of the top tight ends in the country, if not the number one tight end in the country, and a top you know 100 overall prospect in the nation. So, um, you know I think I think it was a good deal, and and I know that if Carney had not gotten the offer from Nebraska, he's probably ending up being a Hawkeye, and and you're facing him for the next you know however many years having to hear about it and you've got to hear about it all the time and so um this was a deal where nebraska needed to get him he wanted to be in the program uh and i think that's something that that you can't put you know you can't necessarily put a put a price tag on either somebody who wants to be who's dying to be a part of your program and uh, who's been dreaming about being a Husker all, pretty much all his life. And so um, it all just kind of fit together, and, and, and I think it's going to prove to be a really good addition. Well, and the odds of Norris, Nate, having another guy down the road are probably pretty high. I mean, that that is a really, really good athletic community there, and you want to kind of keep things rolling there because there, there's a lot of Division One athletes, whether it's baseball, football, et cetera, that are coming out of Norris in the coming years. Yeah, and it's only going to continue to get better, and, and all their sports are going to continue to, to grow and get better too. So, um, and it's I mean it's kind of it's almost um, you know I found it kind of interesting that it, it had been so long since somebody from Norris had been a scholarship. Who know, was the recruit. last one? I, I don't even. I was going to say I'm drawing a blank on on their name, but it was somebody I think in the early or early 90s or late 80s, something like that. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since there was a, a scholarship 
uh, athlete out of Norris, uh, you know, to be, you know, to be recruited and signed with the Huskers. So, it, but I don't think that it's going to be very much longer until it starts to become more and more common um, with the way that that school district is growing and uh, how many good athletes are, are coming in and out of that program. So, um, again, yeah, I think if, if you can keep people happy um, in the program and, and you know, kind of add an athlete like that onto your, uh, your recruiting class, that's, that's a win-win. For yeah, everybody. bottom line is nobody's questioning this. No. I mean, like everyone's like, yep, this had to be done. And if they didn't do it, that's when people would question it because he's, he is a legit talent. He's, he's somebody that, um, you know, that was being heavily recruited by Iowa. Iowa wasn't casually – uh, recruiting him, they he was their only guy, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it, they didn't offer him just to to kind of you know out of spite to Nebraska or play games with Nebraska. They wanted him badly, and uh, you know, and and they didn't waste any time doing so. As soon as they saw his first, I think it was the first or second week of the season, they went ahead and offered, and K State offered, Pitt offered. I mean, he's he's legit Power Five guy, and uh, you know, the, the testing numbers prove that. Uh, from what I've seen in, in person, too, and, you know, it all proves it. And and you know what? You've got to tip your hat to to James Carney because this is a tough situation. He developed so much from his junior year to his senior year. Uh, didn't have the opportunity to go to camps. He didn't have the opportunity to be seen in person by the coaching staff. So he had to do all that work uh, to kind of get to this point. Then he had to go out and, and put it on film. And that's that's uh, easier said than done. And and he did that. And now all of a sudden he's he's a Husker. So, um, you know, I, I think it all came together and, and it's it, everybody uh, is going to come out you know better for it. I think, Nate, lastly here, the approach Nebraska took with James Carney with the offer was very aggressive. Um, and you get the sense going forward on the three star type of in-state kid, not necessarily the high profile four star top 100, top 250 kid. You can't do that with that type of kid. But the the regional offer three-star guy Nebraska's going to be a lot different with how they make these offers I think so you know the the kids that have the um the KU K-State Iowa State Iowa type of offers I, I think Nebraska is going to take more of a hardline approach with those types of guys and say hey look um we like you we we want you to be a part of the program but we're not going to we're not going to bend over backwards uh, and beg you, um, and we're not going to, you know, uh, play play games. You know, you either want to be a part of what we're doing, or or you can, you know, not be a part of it. And and I think that's, you know, that's going to become more commonplace with how they do things. And like you said, there are certain kids, and there are going to be certain kids, especially here over the coming years, with the type of talent that's coming up in the state, that they're not going to be able to take that approach with because those guys are going to have. Um, several, several options from from all Power Five schools, but the the re, the more regional recruits, I think they can say, "Hey, look, we'll offer you if you accept it." Uh, but otherwise, you know, good luck. And so, uh, and that's not to be rude, or or it doesn't mean that those guys are lesser players, but they they're going to take you know they, they know the cards they hold. Yeah, they've been burnt in the past by giving too much space and and freedom. Um, and, and I don't think they're going to do that anymore. All right. Well, plenty to follow here as we go into game week here next week um, as press conference will be on Monday, and uh, we'll have regular access now on Tuesday and Thursday as well. And I'll be traveling out to Columbus um, as well next week. So it should be a, a lot to look forward to here as we move into game week. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.